Hello all and welcome to the 97th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that will never do another Scottish accent unless Hodgie's on. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, a main course and mixed salad for City. That one does work much better written down. At four minutes, seven seconds and Saints Redemption for Smith. Obviously, we will work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. We have former Norwich City Head of Content and Programme Editor, Dan Brigham. Hi, Michael. Good to see you. Likewise. We also have Norwich City fans, past podcasters and official on the ball double act. It's Rob Fletcher. Hi, Michael. Good to see you. There he is. There he is. And aptly titled after his debut, our own song laureate, Elliot Lake. Hello, Michael. Hello, Rob and Dan. How is everybody? How is everybody? Awesome. We're <laughs> all awesome. Thank you, Elliot. And thanks for joining us. And thank you, everyone out there watching live and listening on your podcast feeds. Um, here we go, then. Uh, Dan, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, doing all right. I've survived the storms so far. Touch wood. Probably glad I didn't have to go up to Anfield. Interesting to hear uh, hearing about how your journey was back from there. Um, well, it was it was a bit it, it, it wet and long, um, and I didn't get back until like Sunday lunchtime. So it was al- uh, almost worth it, though. Almost, almost. I, well, 14, I was traveling for four minutes, or whatever it was. It was almost worth it. I was, I was. Tra- I'll be honest. I was traveling there, thinking, you know, the last time I went to see Norwich play against one of the really big teams away from home, it was seven nil, and that uh, this could be quite a long weekend, maybe not to pin anything on the football, which I think is why, you know, in my video verdict, I, I was sort of like three one defeat. I'll probably take that, and then I got a bit of criticism for it, but that's okay. That's fine. We've all got our opinions, and we'll discuss those in a moment. Um, Rob, good evening to you. How are you? Hi, Michael. Yeah, all good. Thank you. All good. Um... I enjoyed uh, 16 minutes of the uh, Liverpool game at the weekend whilst, when we were winning. Uh, I was watching in silence because uh, we had a lot of family around. I was back at my parents in, in Norfolk and had all the family in the living room. And the only I had to have the football on, but I couldn't have the sound on. So uh, I watched it in silence and suffered in silence as Liverpool scored goal after oh. goal. Ouch. What a well! Um, in, I, I mean, at least you're allowed to watch it. Yeah, that's not bad for a family trip. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you won't get stick for it from here on in. Um, Elliot, how are you? Lovely to see you resplendent in your in your Norwich shirt as well. Yeah, cheers, Michael. I've got you got you got to get it on, haven't you? I think for for the podcast. But but I, obviously I live in Bristol at the minute, so I haven't been able to go down to the ground as often as I would have liked. So uh, I've got to wear it when I get the opportunity. Did you wear it much around Bristol? I wear it every time I play football. Five sides. How does that it go goes, down? Yeah, it goes great. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I really enjoy seeing like, seeing people wear you know ra- random kits who you, you wouldn't necessarily see in that sort of place. So I think I've got to wear it for the Norwich boys. Fair enough. But then you know Norwich are massive. So is it a random yeah, kit anywhere in the true. world? That's the question you got. Um, if if you had Tim Closer written on the back of your shirt, would that go down well at the moment in Bristol or not? Uh, who's who is he playing for? Bristol City. 
Is he Bristol City now? Is he? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't know that. <laughs> it's didn't going know that, that well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, if, if I was to choose a Bristol Bristol side, it would be Bristol Rovers for me, hundred percent. Poor Tim. Poor Tim. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, I don't know how well it's doing, but I think they did win at the weekend because he he put something slightly more positive on his Instagram feed. Uh, That's as much as uh, I've been looking into. It. I'll save my championship preparations for my uh, for, for March. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip there. I tell you what, yeah, I know. Quick, um, let's. uh, I've already condemned ourselves to defeat before kickoff at Liverpool and ran now relegation. Let's move on quickly, then, in that case, shall we? To um, our headline act. Yes, indeed. 60 minutes gone and it was all looking so good. Uh, Not long after, we could all return to our theories that we'd rather win the FA Cup tie anyway. Um, Norwich did lose 3-1 at Liverpool. Um, But Dan, was it better to have led than to have never led at all? It was definitely better to have conceded when we did than, say, injury time. So if we'd been holding out for a for another sort of 20 minutes into the 90th minute and then they'd gone and scored twice in two minutes would have been much harder to take. And it's odd how football kind of changes your emotions like that. At half-time, I was barely nervous. You know, we were drawing nil-nil, fully expected us to win. But as soon as we went 1-0 up, that's when the nerves really started to kick in because that's when the hope um, was turned up a notch. And that's when you suddenly start thinking about how am I going to celebrate on, 90th minute, on the 90th minute when we pull off three incredible points. And obviously, sadly, it wasn't quite to, uh, to be, but it was encouraging if you compare it, as you mentioned, the game where we lost 7-0 to, uh, was it 7-0 earlier in the season to Chelsea? Six it was, seven, yeah. Nil, all seven. seven. Yeah. Then it, it was an entirely different performance. I mean, Liverpool will routinely win by two goals against some of the best clubs in Europe. Um, it, there's no real shame in it. Uh, we competed really well. We defended well, and most importantly, what we didn't, what we did do against um, Liverpool that we hadn't done against Man City is cause them problems as well. We looked like a threat when on the few occasions we actually got on the ball and were a bit more careful with it and went forward with a bit more threat than we had against Man City, and which is what Dean Smith had asked for, and it seemed like that had sunk in in training, obviously, and they'd, they'd pick that up and run with it. Uh- Rob, you mentioned that you enjoyed the first uh, or the 16 minutes the Norwich were were leading. Um, in, I mean, how, what did you make of Norwich's entire performance up until that point? Because um, the, you know Liverpool had some really good chances really early on, but actually they did grow into the game really nicely. Yeah, I, I think I have to. I probably misspoke. Actually, I have to echo Dan's sentiment in that I enjoyed the first 45 minutes and and then some until we scored, and then was a nervous wreck really whilst we were winning um <laughs> obviously it'd be great to to beat liverpool away but it's also i don't know in the kind of every point is so valuable at the moment we you know if we don't win after being in a winning position that's two points lost as opposed to if we lose from being in a drawing position it's only one point lost which i know is very defeatist but that's the kind of <laughs> the situation we are in at the moment um but i thought i thought we played really well to be honest i think it's a bit of a pattern in, in matches recently, especially if we tail off quite significantly towards the end of the game. Our best players tail off. I mean, Rashidska in this in this case, in the last few games, he has been fantastic uh, in parts in the sort of first two thirds of the game. But then once he loses that sort of burst, that um, that sort of quickness of of feet, he really suffers, and we we suffer as a team. <laughs> 
Um, I thought the two, the first two goals that Liverpool conceded um, were frustrating in that they weren't very good. Uh, they, weren't, <laughs> they weren't high in quality. They weren't ones, for example, the first match of the season when, when they came to Carrow Road. It was, I, I can't remember the third or one of the three goals, but I know a couple of them were just Salah being world-class and that's fine. I, I'll take that. But the two, the first two goals we conceded one after the other um, were so uh, avoidable. Um, the third one was better or more incisive at least um, and the class finish from, from Diaz. But the first two were, were really frustrating and, and left me feeling a bit sort of uh, hollow after that. I think that's allowed. I mean, I hadn't quite appreciated at the time how good the pass was from Jordan Henderson for mm. the third goal. It was just exquisite, as good as Luis Diaz's run was as well. Um, but that's it. That's a quite an interesting point, Elliot. I mean, I've um, last week I wrote a piece uh, on the Athletic about Manchester City's victory coming from a lot of Norwich City defensive errors, really, um, in terms of the goals they conceded, especially the, the one from the corner. Um, and this week I've written a bit that's sort of just taken apart completely the four minutes from Jurgen Klopp making his two substitutions to Liverpool winning the ball and then to being 2-1 up. <laughs> and it took four minutes, seven seconds, including 35 minutes of celebrating in the middle, 35 seconds of celebrating in the middle. Um, but, you know, the little details, I, I think, like from the restart where, you know, Billy Gilmore tried to break Liverpool's press rather than just keeping the ball and recycling. And it, it almost felt like, in a way, Elliot, Norwich haven't really been in that position before. They just conceded a goal and they were leading and they almost wanted to chase what they had lost rather than sit back and go, hang on, we're still 1-1 here. Let's literally just try and kill this game as much as we can for five to ten minutes. Yeah, and... um <clears throat> It's, it's, especially, especially with that sort of thing, I think had 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 we had we sat back and tried to go back into that shape that we were in for the whole of the first half, pretty much, I think we could have we could have definitely still maybe got something out of the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it it kind of happens with those with those big teams. Like, I don't think Liverpool played like particularly well, and I think we defended really well throughout the whole game. It was just as you say those that, those four minutes where we just lost the concentration, um, and it, it's obviously disappointing because well, you you get. You go one nil up in a in a game like that, and I, I was watching with a few Liverpool fans. So I was absolutely loving it. Well, for that for that um, sixteen minutes that we were one nil up, I was it was brilliant. Um, but, uh, and, I, and, I, and obviously, I had to get my stick in early because I knew that there was every chance they would get back in the game at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, I I obviously didn't know, having not watched the the game back, I didn't notice the Billy Gilmore press. But I think um, I think. Um, and uh, on a on a, um, on another occasion, uh, they could have they could have maybe sat back a little bit more and tried to defend that one one. But yeah, it was disappointing. It was a bit disappointing. Um, let's go through it slightly chronologically. Um, Rob, I'll come to you first. I mean, Milot's Milot's goal. I mean, it, it, I kind of wondered if uh, if jo well, Josh Sargent took a really bad first touch didn't he, at one point, but they still managed to actually do quite well hold up play. Although even then, I was kind of like this whole opportunity is disappearing because you've just ran from one side of the box to the other. Um, but it works out. And um, uh, Dean Smith did also say that he thought it was probably going in anyway, the shot before it t uh, deflected off my tip. What would be your verdict on whether that shot was probably going in anyway? Uh, I think it was going on target, but I feel like we will give Alison enough credit 
to assume that he would have saved it. I think he's quite good as a goalkeeper. It's the correct answer. <laughs> um, but brilliant for a Kosovan footballer to have scored in the Premier League now, of course. Yes. Um, and a fun fact about Kosovo, apparently there are, there are lots of children born there in the early noughties who are called Tony Blair, um, after Tony Blair for the interventions that the UK government had in Kosovo. So apparently he, he's kind of revered slightly. Uh, as, so that's, that's something. That is, are, we, that is, are we expecting that the next time Rashid scores to like, live up, lift up his shirt to reveal a photo of Tony Blair's face? <laughs> Why not? Let's see if we can get, can we get that trending? I don't know what that would look like as a hashtag, to be honest. I, 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 was, I was hoping maybe, you know, now the next lot of Kosovan children will all be named Milot. So um, let's, let's hope so. After obviously Norwich's Premier League saviour, which is all we can possibly dub him now. Um, in terms of the, the, the first two goals Norwich conceded, Dan, how do you view them? Yeah, uh, what I would say is, against a bit like us when we're in the Championship, against teams like Man City and, and Liverpool, they dominate uh, so relentlessly throughout the 90 minutes and they have the ball in your third for so long that mistakes are kind of in, inevitably going to happen. And to get away with a point or three points against those two sides in particular, you kind of need them to fluff their lines when they get those chances, and which Liverpool did in the first five minutes when they could have scored a couple, but didn't later on. So I do think, um, you know, as much as Dean Smith was right to sort of pick up on that, especially after Man City, and there was a bit of a mess, and that especially Liverpool's second goal was a mess to be done like that from an excellent ball from Allison, of course, but to be done like that and quite out of position um, wasn't ideal. But at some point, those back four or that back five and that midfield are going to make errors against such good sides, and you just got to hope that they, they don't punish them. It's interesting, actually, because I thought Max Aarons had a really good game, um, despite maybe the potential mistake that led to Mane's goal. Although we have had a comment in uh, uh, from Julian Scott at 8.10pm. Yes. He says he's, uh, he's a big fan of Max, but he lost his marker Mane, who scored. This follows costly mistakes in the previous two games. Time for Max to get a well-earned break. Myron is a terrific defender. Uh, I think, I mean, Max, it was a bit It was a bit of a genuilist thing, bringing, taking him off so early against Man City, I thought. But um, he had had a bit of a torrid time. But I, th- I actually think he's been for a team that's defended, had to defend a lot this season, has been, again, good. And I still maintain we're, we're very lucky to have him. But Sam Byram is certainly knocking out the door, isn't he? He is. He is. And I, I, the way I, I see it playing out in my head at the moment is that Sam Byram plays in the FA Cup game at Liverpool. And then that's a real opportunity. You know, if he, if he does really well in that game against Mane and Norwich win like 1-0 and they keep a clean sheet, then that is, a you know, and Max, I don't know, makes a mistake against uh, Southampton, then I guess, you know, you, the, the narrative is, if you're going to have that competition, maybe there is that discussion there. But I mean, the thing with Max, I thought he 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 got slightly caught out by Mane, and, but there probably wasn't a lot of communication going on because he also... He either has to pick up Mane or play him offside, one or the other. Um, but, you know, Grant Hanley's been slightly pulled out. Josh Sargent's really done nothing to stop Simicast. And, uh, Elliot, I'll ask you this. Uh, should should Angus Gunn have, have stopped the overhead? I mean, it was an amazing overhead kick. Obviously, it's hard, you know, completely exposed. But it wasn't exactly miles away from Angus, who seemed to sort of be falling back as it hit him rather than trying to stop it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was so, it was so close to the goal though, and he did. Mine did get a, a fairly good connection on it, and for an overhead kick like that, I think. I mean, I I think Gunn played really well in the two previous games against Palace and City, but um, it was. I mean, I think that'll be really really harsh to say he could have saved it. I think that was that's such an instinctive. So a, a goalie like De Gea would have you'd expect maybe to save that because he's so good with his feet, but um, Gunn, you know, I I, th- I think I think it's really difficult to say. You should have saved that. I don't. I don't know what you what you think, Dan and Rob. But um, I think I think maybe the second goal he could have done a bit better, obviously with the slip. But I, I agree with the um, with the overhead kick. I feel that it would have been a really difficult save, just because from the position where Mane hit the ball, he can't guess where the trajectory is going to be. Whereas if you take a shot off the ground, you have a very due to like body position and things like that, you can guess how high up in the goal you've been needing to save. It was, and he, you know, he had to hedge his bets essentially. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It looked like it's one of those where a goalkeeper kind of just has to flap their arms around a bit and hope for the best. And sadly it didn't, he didn't make contact with the ball this time. It's, I mean, what is he? He's five yards out or six yards out yeah, and he's yeah. connected it well, hasn't he? Said, said like a true five side goalkeeper there, Dan. Good to hear. Um, <laughs> you I, like know. I, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I don't, I don't feel any, uh, I, I thought Angus did all he needed to do probably for the second goal. I don't think that, I know he slipped, but I, th- I thought there was probably only one player on the pitch who would have been able to make the goalkeeper slip and also wrong foot two defenders on the line and manage to just roll the ball in. I mean, Mo Salah is a phenomenal player to watch play and some of the way, he, he's like, I don't know what it is. It's like his turning circle is about half the size of everyone else's. It's just, it's literally like he's on a cheat mode on FIFA, I guess. Dan, I can see you wanting to chip in. What, what I would say about, and Gunn's actually beat, as uh, Elliot said, has been really good in sort of the last three games. What I would say is from that Allison's goal kick, our defence is really high, but Gunn is starts really deep. So there's been some sort of miscommunication there because they should never be that far apart. from. So something's gone wrong there. But yeah, you can't legislate for a slip and Salah's one of the best players in the world right now. So I guess that's your point, mate. That goes back to your point, Michael. Maybe about being too high after the after the um, after the kickoff. Maybe you were pressing too high, and maybe that's the 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 error that Dan's referring to there. But um, yeah, maybe maybe that's not a gun mistake. That's a defense mistake. Defense mistake. It's a good point because um, you know the the mo- the bit that led to Allison getting the ball. Brandon Williams has made a massive overlapping run on Milot and doesn't get the ball, which is why Kenny McLean is basically picking up Mo Salah at that point. Um, but again, the fact that he has made that run <laughs> on a three-man counter, um, you know, sort of says where Norwich were in terms of committing bodies forward, I suppose, in that very moment, having just conceded a goal. Um, I think that's fair enough. I think that's covered everything off there. Um, we, Yeah, I think we've done that bit. So, and... What I was going to say is that everyone should really be thanking Norwich because had Norwich have taken points off Liverpool, then no one would have had this title race they're all so excited about after Manchester City lost his first. So, you know, you're welcome, everyone, is what I say there. Hopefully we get our due reward for that. Um, because you look at elsewhere, I mean, it was funny for me watching the mood that everyone became quite, you know, upset because, you know, Watford won at Villa and Burnley won at Brighton. Obviously, Newcastle had taken a draw of West Ham and, you know, Norwich were always, I thought, you know, probably going to not pick anything up from Liverpool or, in fact, these two games. Um, yet, you know, a lot of people were declaring um, on the final whistle, Rob, that's it. We, we've gone down now. We've blown it. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, the teams were going to win. Uh, I mean, d- does it really alter the 
picture so much? Uh, if those same people were fully aware that two matches ago we were playing Man City and Liverpool and are still disappointed that we got no points from that, I I don't think that they appreciate how good Man City and Liverpool are. Um, <laughs> I mean, Liverpool have won, I don't know how many games in a row, Man City have only dropped points in two matches out of what seems like forever. Um, yeah, I, I don't think losing to both those teams changes anything. They're not the mm. teams that we need to beat if we want to stay up. It's a really informed Southampton who we need to get points from. Um, it's, you know, Palace a few weeks ago um, and uh, Brentford, teams like that, who we need to be getting the points from. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it changes anything. Elliot? Yeah, I, I just want to say that, like, speaking to, I live with a few Liverpool fans and I think that how they viewed our performance in that um, on Saturday was was that we, we did defend well and that's one of the most difficult games they've had against Norwich maybe since the 1-1 I think when Grant Holt scored in 2011 maybe under Chris Hewton. Um but I think I think generally they felt like Norwich has always been an easier fixture but for them especially the first half was we we, we did really well and as as Rob says we're we can't be expected to pick up points against those teams it is the it is the next two three games where we are you know we're really going to have to pull something out of the bag well let's hope we're having that conversation that reflects that um after southampton and beyond that will certainly be the plan um right in that case i think that is that let's move on shall we to a bit of this i'm sure everyone loves that sting uh yes it is a pick that one out where the podders each get a short window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds then the buzzer does sound and uh, it's time to let it go, maybe. Um, who would like to go first? Uh, Rob, would you like to go first? Put you on the spot? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Good man. All right, then. Well, um, you're good to go about now-ish? Uh, so I've been sort of aware of this for a while, but haven't really cared too much. Um, people. So it's basically the disparity in the number of games played on the table uh, and how it affects reading the situation of the league. So I I know that people have said before, oh, maybe it's better to have the points on the board rather than the games in the hand, et cetera, et cetera. But I, uh, this morning I was looking at the Bundesliga table for some reason and I looked in, every single team has played 23 matches and it's really refreshing <laughs> to look at a league table where everyone's played the same amount of matches and you get such a better representation of high teams performing. Uh, I wish we had that right now, uh, especially down at the bottom. I think it. I, I did read something that Burnley have got like about seven home or nine home games or something daft. Nine home games. We've already got six, something like that, which maybe sort of wince a little bit. Um, but there we go. Try not to think about it. Norwich just need their five wins, five wins from here until the last couple, and you know then they'll be on nine with a couple of games to get that tenth, and then they'll stay up. That's it. People want a. People want a, a road, road to success. That, that's the one. Road to survival. Uh, Dan, would you like to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so 
I think 8.15 is an absolutely insane time for an association football match to be kicking off, which is what's happening next next week in the FA Cup when we have to go to Anfield again. It's disrespectful to the Norwich fans or any away fans who have to make that journey. And probably if it goes to penalties, it'll probably be finishing around half 11, nearly midnight. So that's a 5am return on Club Cabbage for anyone going on the coaches coming back from Liverpool. 8.15, you should be... You should be. You should have had your tea. You should be thinking about maybe is it time to go to bed. What you shouldn't. What you shouldn't be doing is watching Michael McGovern saving Origi's penalty to put us through at midnight. Oh yeah, you That's should. What, what a moment. <laughs> not be doing that ITV at midnight. That's a, what you shouldn't be doing is working because I think um, if I don't know what time that game is going to be finished in terms of on the pitch, but we will be there for another hour and a half. Uh, you, I'll I see be, you're staying over that night then, Michael. I will be staying over, yeah. I, I suspect I'll be being escorted out of Anfield by four stewards thinking I'm a loitering <laughs> fan, as happened on Saturday. Didn't even believe my pass. Um, they they walked me out of the ground. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Uh, hopefully they let me back in. Maybe I should be more worried about that. Chris Gorham <laughs> did make that joke to me on the way out um, uh, um, outside the ground, and then I got really worried. So if I'm not allowed into Anfield, everyone knows. You've probably got um, posters of your face up all over the press room now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> have you have you seen this fan? Um, which is which is fine. Um, I, I mean, if I was doing one of these rants, I would probably do it on the Leeds fixture being moved back to the Sunday from the Saturday. That's in like three or three weeks time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because Leeds have got um, a rearranged fixture that's taking place in the week before that's going to be on Amazon, I think, because presumably they, they, they didn't get they... the Amazon fixture last time. Has it moved so, Wednesday to Thursday night kickoff, haven't it? Yeah, so now the Leeds game, the Norwich's trip to Leeds, is now Sunday at 2 o'clock rather than Saturday. Um, and that's three weeks after all the tickets were sent out, and I'm sure most people have booked their travel. So that's really considerate. Um, but let's be honest, you know, most the Premier League and the EFL don't probably care too much about what the supporters do because they just assume they'll go anyway, uh, if they're being realistic, um, 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 which isn't how it should be. And that's not how fans should be treated. Um, bonus points there for you, Dan, for using the word association football in full. Uh, I, had <laughs> full I didn't realise bonus points were at, um, at stake here. I've just, I've just made them up. So, I'll bear that in mind for um, next time. I've definitely recorded that. Um, Elliot, would you like a go to round us off? Yeah, let's go for it. Good, um, it was a rhetorical question anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, away you go. Okay, so my my pet peeve is, this it's, has stuck me with, with me for a while, but... I don't understand why more people don't get the names of their favourite players on the back of their shirts. I, re- I really think, how, however old you are, if you're going down to Carroll Road, you must have a favourite player. You could be 70, you can be six, but some one of those players on that pitch is, has got to be a favourite player. So get him on the back of your shirt, give him some support. If, 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 there, if there's a young player coming through and, and all of a sudden he sees, he sees 50 fans with him on the back of their shirt, surely that's going to give him a massive boost when he's, when he, when he's, when he's coming through to, to the first team. I don't know. I love this one. I mean, it didn't work for Ricky Van Wolfswinkle um, when, they, <laughs> when they only charged a fiver. But as speaking as someone who would always get someone's name on the back of the shirt, um, I, they, it was generally, Elliot, I don't know how you do this, but most of them either got injured or were sold. Um, yeah. It's Craig Bellamy, Keith O'Neill, Neil Adams missed a penalty. That was quite a, you know, a seismic event. Yeah. Uh, who have you got on the back of, of your shirt there? I've got a, I'm a Babadelli on this one. Wow. I think I showed you last time. Fortune. 
that yeah that literally right? that's flaunting isn't it that's like more expensive than a gold chain <laughs> literally looking at the back of my shirt going this cost me 54 quid <laughs> yeah but you never see another on my, on my bar deli do you you've never seen one uh, a credit credit here to dean smith because dean smith about four weeks ago he was struggling to pronounce his name he couldn't really do it <laughs> to the point where at one point norwich had lost and he was doing a press conference with a smile on his face and he was like and then our uh, andrew our uh, Oh, I can't even pronounce his name, <laughs> which probably wasn't a great look for the for the, for the head coach. Um, and I think he was quite aware of that because now he nails it properly every time. I think he realised he probably does need to know how to say his name in a press conference. So fair play to Dean for that. Um, but you know that that's not the same as spending fifty four quid to get it on the back of your shirt. So fair play uh, to you, Elliot. Um, uh, Dan, would you have a, a name on the back of your shirt? No, uh, no I, I never have, and uh, that's not. Uh, a good conscious decision or anything even as a kid and i had lots of favorite players mark robbins darren Eady. never ended it on the back of my shirt for some reason no no name has not my own either where, where do you stand on having your own would you have lake on the back of yours elliot uh no i don't i don't, I don't think i would I, I mean but if if say say dan if you had a a, a, a 93 shirt with darren Eady on the back now how oh, much no, would yeah. you wear yeah. that that would be um, absolutely amazing Absolutely amazing. I've still got my 92, 93 shirt, but it, it's blank. Um, yeah. And just rest assured I don't still wear it as well. I mean, I am, I'm obviously an old man. So um, I remember having to sort of, you couldn't get the lettering and the numbers that you wanted. So I had to sort of cut them out at one point. I remember <laughs> trying to cut, cut out numbers so they looked like Adidas numbers at one point. It was, oh, what a sado. There we go. That was my teenage life. Uh, um, Rob, have you got a name on the back of any? You've got three shirts behind you. I can see the names on the back of those. No names on any of them. Uh, well, I mean, two of them because they're the Centennial ones have lots of names, the season ticket ah, holders. But, everyone's uh, name, that's true. But no names on the back, no. Um, my, dad, my dad has Fletcher on the back of his, but it was a birthday present, uh, sort of 70th birthday present. So it's got Fletcher and 70. Fletcher, 70. It's a classic. Yeah. classic well you know one day the squad numbers will go up to 70 i'm sure um great work guys uh what were the other things that we were not going to talk about that i've got on here um well a couple of a couple of women's football lines women's football lines norwich city have officially absorbed the women's football team into the club's day-to-day running which for most people will be like well obviously <laughs> why hasn't that been the case um <laughs> so i, I yeah, it seems like a good move um and i think it would be great for the football club to have a really strong women's football team even though it's not really a level playing field in terms of in the east of england um, but there's a piece on that on the athletic um and of course england's women played at carrow road over the weekend which i didn't get to i would have quite liked to have gone and it would have been lovely to have seen lauren hem playing at carrow road having um, started off her incredible football journey here in Norfolk in a Norwich shirt with a signed ball at her foot, which uh, which was a lovely, a lovely image she shared on one of the social medias. Uh, and a final shout out to friend of the podcast, Cedric Unsalan, who has been granted indefinite leave to remain in the UK, which is aces because it's Cedric. And, um, and that's lovely. So um, I think that mops up everything there. So let's have... Um, a bit of centrefold action next, I reckon. Now, um, we can go as in-depth as we want on this uh, on this conversation. It doesn't have to be a particularly big one, but it struck me um, on Saturday, Josh Sargent went down holding his Achilles, I think, or he had a, he had a slight, um, you know, fall, awkward fall, bit of treatment. And I was like, oh dear, 
Norwich are actually potentially really screwed if they lose one more forward. So um, I did want to discuss this because obviously the, the terrible news really, especially for Adam Eder, is that he is out for the rest of the season pretty much, they expect. It was sort of most likely was the way Dean Smith couched it, um, which I guess means that, you know, there's potential for him to come back maybe for the last game, but do you risk it, I suppose, and, and all that sort of argument. It's a real shame because he needed a, a knee operation. And we are probably at the point in the campaign now where it doesn't take as much of an injury, serious injury, to rule you out for the remaining games because we've only got a couple of months to go. Um, so I guess the question is, Dan, have Norwich... I mean, what do, do Norwich just need to hope everyone stays fit from this point? Have they, even without Adam, have they got enough in their attacking lineup to stay well, up? I don't think... Well, first of first off, it's really like awful news for Adam Eder, obviously, who's just sort of reinvigorated uh, the Norwich side since he came back into it. And one thing that he did do um, was allow us to play with that sort of four up top when we had the ball, um, which we did to some success as well against Watford um, and in the win before that as well, which for some reason Everton. I've forgotten. <laughs> Everton. Everton at home. They're playing four up top, kind of, but that really depended on those four players, so Rashica, Puki, Ida and Sargent being fit, anyone drops out of that front four and the replacements probably aren't quite up to scratch. So now, if you went to go four up front again, you'd probably play Sargent through the middle with Puki, but then you're leaving Jonathan Rowe, who's obviously very inexperienced and be asking too much of him potentially. Or you've got Cholis, who's just clearly not trusted yet. Um, or you've got Dow, who doesn't really sort of suit that system as more of a kind of a technical number 10 style player. So what it has done is probably made us a bit more one-dimensional again, um, going back to the sort of 4-3-3 mm-hmm. three, three that Dean Smith started with. Um, yeah, and it does go back to the recruitment when Rashica, who has been excellent and is clearly a good Premier League player and is an excellent signing, but when Rashica, Charles and Sargent has scored, what, three Premier League goals between them, I think, this season, and when Cholis however much the club like to say he was one for the future, we still spent 10 million on him and he's made three Premier League starts this season. We're cert- and, you know, just repeating ourselves and lots of people have said this before, he's, we're not in a position where we should be spending 10 million quid of, um, which were uh, equated to sort of one fifth of the money we spent on a player who we didn't think was ready. And interestingly, actually, I went back to check, the canaries.co.uk news story when we signed Charles. And there was no mention of him being one for the future and being maybe not one for this season. That seems to be a thing that has come in retrospect now. I would be very surprised, and you're obviously close to the club, Michael, so I'd be very surprised if they saw him only starting three games by the end of February in the Premier League. I think they were sort of underneath it. They They were keen to say that it wouldn't make an immediate impact. Uh, so the question was, probably by this point, they would have expected him to be sort of hitting the ground running, really. I, I think they kind of knew that he hadn't played that much football in Greece, which I think was probably the key point. Um, so they were probably expecting him to to take the first two, three months to really get acclimatised, start hitting the ground running. And then by the time he got into this year, he'd look sort of settled and be involved. I mean, they certainly, it's not only the starts. I don't think they would have envisaged him, you know, playing in the under 23s because he hasn't played any football and also probably getting a clear shot of an open goal and and (laughs) ruffling the side netting, which he's done tonight, which I guess, um, you know, makes it, makes it quite difficult. And I suppose one of the things I was thinking, Rob, is that 
you know, with with Adam being out, that that would be an opportunity for Christos. But he does he does seem to be, you know, well down the pecking order at the moment. And you know, Dean Smith's done a pretty good job of molding what he wants to do and finding the most effective option with the players at his disposal. Um, but in this instance, it doesn't look like he's so fussed about Christos being one of those players at, at his disposal while he's got other players there. I suppose. And the interesting thing will be where he fits in come the FA Cup tight Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's interesting to look with hindsight as to how important that missed penalty was in the uh, in the League Cup. Um, again, against Liverpool, wasn't it? Um, yep. <laughs> uh, just no wonder they always think they get easy wins. Yeah, carry yeah. on. Yeah, um, where he took the ball with such confidence and probably missed the penalty. Um, I, having not watched most of him before, so when his time in Greece, I would assume that his looking at our team now, he would want to slot on, slot in at the other side uh, of a front three, um, rather than play through the middle, um, just because of his play style. Um, would I, I don't think he's got. Too much competition. I don't think Pajeta is, is sort of setting the world alight in the Premier League technically yet. I think he, he's playing well in terms of his work rate um, and that sort of hustling. Um, and I, I agree. I think Dowell is not a direct comparison. We wouldn't. Um, I, I, I complete. I think they're completely different players in in their style. I, I wouldn't want Dowell coming in from the wing. Um, I, I don't think he's looked very effective when he's been there. Uh, and Jonathan Rowe is, yeah, very inexperienced, but seems to be preferred. Um, as why? I have no idea. The ten million pounds for Norwich, I would, I wouldn't want Norwich spending ten million pounds if they're not intending to integrate them within the first team almost immediately. Um, we are not in a position to be spending that much money and not getting immediate returns, uh, or intending to get immediate returns. So. Yeah, it's slightly confusing. Obviously, I hope it, hope it comes good. Um, I, I think I, I remember someone saying, I believe it was probably you, Michael, you, you're the person who talks about Norwich most that I listen to. So, um, <laughs> you know, God forbid we do go down. Um, he must be open or we hope he's open to staying and maybe in the championship, just getting consistent minutes and learning his, his trade would, would be better for him. Obviously, I hope we don't go down, but... Um... <laughs> Yes, no, we're not going to, obviously, yeah, no, that's that's a given, obviously, as we discussed at the very start of this podcast. But uh, that, that that's the interesting thing, I suppose, because if, um, you know, Dean Smith has to rate him, even if Norwich are in the championship and has to be able to to trust him, it, he's probably, Elliot, the, the one bit of recruitment that maybe is most questionable because ultimately Christos plays in the same position as Milot Rashica. Um, so you're only really going to be, both of them like to play on the left and come in. So... A, I mean, you obviously want backup options, but by that very nature, you've spent 10 million quid who, on a player who's only ever going to either come on to replace them, uh, Milo, or, you know, whichever. And he sort of always struck me as this player that Norwich probably would be would have been better off buying had they have had a year in the Premier League and then they were sort of building up the squad um, so that he'd have had the time rather than throwing him in. I mean... If you'd have spent, if you'd have taken the the fee and put three million quid onto a couple of other positions, you'd have ended up probably with better players in in the other pieces of recruitment. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you, um, well, I think obviously everyone really hoped that he was going to be, I think didn't Farker say at some point he was going to be worth 100 million? Did he say that? Um, Probably. But I, think, <laughs> I think he definitely he definitely did say he was one of the most highly rated, you know, young yeah. prospects in, I, in Europe, basically. Yeah. I don't, I, is he still, he's still 19 or 20? But that's still, that's still very young. I think Rob, I think Rob was absolutely right. Um, so I, I, it's, it's difficult to expect so much of these young players when they come in from abroad. He's never played in the Premier League before. I think that is that is difficult. And um, just going back to the going back to the point about. Um, where the goals are going to come from, I think now Rashid has got his first one on the board. I mean, let's let's really hope that he can he can maybe turn that into a, into a few more coming through coming into coming into the last stages of the season because we that's one thing that we have really lacked is is other goal scorers in the team. Um, obviously, I I um, Eda got his first one the other week, but he's obviously now out. Sergeant Sergeant got a couple, but if if Rashid can can may, maybe just get another five four or five goals before the end of the season. You never know. That could that could get us a few um, really crucial points. Love it. I think, um, oh, go. Go, Rob. I, I was going to say one one thing was um, it's, it sounds like if anyone's watching, oh, people will be watching and listening, but it, I'm, it sounds <laughs> like I'm scraping the yeah. barrel and, and it is slightly, but um, Rashidska's offside goal against Liverpool, he took really well. Um, and it could be things like that, which is given confidence, um, a scrappy deflection. You know, he, he put the ball in the back of the net, even if it was offside. So it's all of those things which hopefully will will sort of build up a, a sense of or a confidence and uh, build. he can build on that when it comes to goal scoring. Which you've had. It looked like his mind. goal meant a lot to him. It looked, it yes. looked like it really meant a lot to him when he scored. So let's hope that that's, um, I mean, that's important as well, isn't it? If you've, if he's really de- if he's really desperate to stay up, then he's going to want to do well. I have to say, I spoke to him. Uh, spoke to him after the game, and uh, he did seem genuinely disappointed. You know, sometimes people will get their first goal and they'll be able to afford themselves a smile or whatever. He generally, although it meant a lot to him at the time, I think the fact that the game unravelled, uh, I think that hurt actually. So that that you know that bodes well. I mean, you mentioning his uh, offside goal that he took so well. Um, has reminded me of the chance Tabu Pookie had at Anfield where he even hit the target. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Tabu's in one of those spells at the moment, um, which hopefully will will end soon because we really need him to be scoring. Um, and just the conversation there, gents, does kind of lead on to the question about January. Was it, Dan, a mistake not to bring anyone in, not to bring another forward option in? Or is it just you can't you cannot legislate for someone being out for the rest of the season in mid-February well well you can absolutely legislate for someone being injured because injuries happen all the time (laughs) and you can legislate for your uh, attacking options to not have enough depth but that's not just a January thing that was a that's a summer thing as well um whether it's a, a a number nine I'm not so sure I think what we do lack as we've just covered is probably proper attacking um what op- wide options or wide forwards is what we really lack and let you know i put Sargent in that front four but he was great against watford taught, scored two really good goals but you know he's not set the world on li- a light still he's still a, also a very young man um so we really are expecting dean smith to work some sort of miracles to get that norwich city side scoring plenty of goals what i would say though is uh, what will help is 
our midfield was coming back from injury and it was really great to see Matthias Norman start and play pretty well against a very good midfield as well. Well done. We haven't mentioned Matthias Norman. Good shout that. Um, uh, yes, indeed. Absolutely, Dan. Um, uh, no, that, well, there, there's a quote from Steve. Let me read it out. Steve McDonald. There we go. Uh, sometimes is it some, also sometimes expectations can be set too high. So it feels worse when they're not meeting them, which is, you know, uh, an argument, but I mean, I guess for Norwich in the premier league, it's uh, <laughs> expectations always feel a bit high <laughs> out of reach sometimes. Um, when well, Elliot, Jones is, sorry, Elliot mentioning no, but, that um, Farker compared, well, suggested that uh, Charles could be a, Hundred million pound player at one day. Just remind me when we signed Marcus Edwards on loan, if anyone remembers him. And Pochettino would compare. Said he was the best youngest player, young player he's seen since Messi. So that, that was that was setting the bar quite quite high. But you do know he's now playing at Sporting Lisbon. Is it Sporting Lisbon? Yes, yeah, he moved oh, to Sporting Lisbon that. in January. So effectively, uh-huh. he was right. <laughs> More <laughs> questions for Daniel Farker to answer. Um, <laughs> Just one here from Wetness Jones, uh, Rara Rashid's uh, lover of pepperoni pizza. I don't know if that's a song or an observation or just Wetness Jones um, feeling uh, that that is what Milot does like doing. But I was just wanting to get our song laureate's um, verdict on the Rashitza chant. Are, are you a fan, Elliot? Yeah, I love it. I think it's really good. It's a strong yeah. one. It is a yeah, strong it's one. You did mention about, you know, maybe we, we'd have like an Andrew Orma Bamadeli song next time you're on, but... Uh, I've, 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 I've had a go, but I don't think it's very good, to be honest with you. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be shaking his head. <laughs> have you have uh, you heard this, Rob? No, but I, I can picture it. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll call it a work in progress yeah, until, he's, until he's back. Yeah, yeah. back playing. That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold you to that one this time. It's too many syllables to improvise. I think too many. If you can afford to put it on his shirt, yeah. you can afford to produce a song. They're the rules. Um, <laughs> right. In that case, I tell you what. Let's move. Let's move us on to a, a little look ahead into our crystal balls. This is almost fantasy football. Which did indeed sound more um, partridge than motty, but there we go. Um, Norwich, what are we expecting from them in the next seven days? Well, we can tell you this much. They're heading to Southampton on Friday night, which is, of course, St. Mary's, where a 1-0 defeat for Dean Smith cost him his Aston Villa job. Um, so, uh, Dan, you do you imagine if Dean Smith's heading back there, he'll be full of all those memories of such a horrible <laughs> evening and want to put it all right? Well, he put it to bed pretty quickly, didn't he? Because he obviously beat Southampton in his first game for Norwich City. So, True. which leaves us in an unusual position in the Premier League of having the chance to do a, a double over someone. And I think, wasn't it last time we played Southampton, they came off the back of a really good run, which they are on now. They've what one? They've lost one game since Christmas, um, and drawn with Man City, Man United, beaten Spurs in that run. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be tough, but I do th- you know we've played well against teams in the bottom half of the table under Dean Smith uh, overall. Um, you know uh, we've had a few poor halves here and here here and there, uh, and COVID obviously affected us against when we lost three 0 at Palace. Um, but we ha- we have got a sort of way of playing now and a, a resolute way of defending that we didn't have before. So I think we can go to Southampton with a bit of co- with a bit of confidence. Um, and we kind of need to because with, was it Lee, uh, Southampton, Brentford, and Leeds coming up? Everyone knows those games are are big 
for us. Uh, six points sort of minimum from those games. But whereas earlier in the season, I'd probably go into those games without much confidence. I am going in with a bit of confidence now, I think. Um, what we don't want to do, though, is burst Samson's bubble too, ma- too much because after us, they've got Burnley, Newcastle and Watford after us. So Southampton might be having uh, a bit of a say in the relegation dogfight over the next month. They they can be a bit streaky, can't they, Southampton? I, I, I mean, it's probably a complete myth, but in my head, I suppose I'm basing this really on Leicester two years ago. You know, the, the, outside of the top teams, if if Norwich do well in one, you know, Norwich have teams where they can actually do quite well against because their style maybe suits them a little bit, which was definitely felt like the case um, when Norwich played Leicester two years ago, obviously um, drew there and, and beat them at Carroll Road. Uh, Norwich City's under-23s have lost 2-0, by the way, to Aston Villa 23s, just to bring everyone live uh, and up to date, should you be listening and watching live. Um, yeah, I mean, Norwich have got to find five wins from somewhere, Rob. So um, St Mary's would be a good start. I mean, I, they were one of those teams where I just thought they didn't finish last season very well. And if there was going to be, you know... Potentially, Southampton could be one of those teams that Norwich could try and finish above if if they mucked it up and Norwich got it right. And uh, no one's really mucked it up, have they? Other than Burnley, really. Yeah, um, I mean, and teams are hurriedly unmucking it in terms of Newcastle. They're yeah. cleaning up uh, annoyingly. Um, yeah, I think Southampton are really quite impressive at the moment. Um, they are. Yeah, as, as Dan said, on a really good run. Was it two losses in 14 games or something like that? Um, and against some really, really strong oppositions, especially recent opposition, especially recently. Um, in terms, I don't know if we're, we're going to be talking about what our formations or what our team would be. For, just throw it. Tell us, tell us, please, because well, everyone will just want four, four, two, four. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm not sure, 100 percent sure about the entire team, but I'm just thinking their midfield, the centre midfield, is so energetic and physical. I, I would, I'd be surprised if Billy Gilmore played. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think. He copes well with a, a really physical midfield. Um, sorry, Dan. Dan, Dan <laughs> well, just Dan's remembering the, the game at Carrow Road where um, Ward-Prowse and was it R- Romeo dominated us in the first half, but then Smith t- changed it at half-time, didn't he, and put uh, Gilmore and McLean sitting on them instead, which stopped them playing. So I wonder if that's going to happen again, just have two people sitting on their playmakers. Was was Norman fit at that point? Yes, uh, I think it was the Wolves game where he came off. Um, and uh, yeah, Lucas Rupp will be fit soon as well, but not in time for Friday. But um, yeah, I, I thought Billy did quite well on, on Saturday at Anfield, actually. Although I sort of slagged him off a bit for the, for the, uh, for the moment between the two goals. But um, Rob's right, though, isn't it? You're right, Rob, is it? Because... Samson's good play all comes through Ward Prowse essentially he's, a, he's an excellent footballer and the kind of footballer Billy Gilmore should probably be aspiring to be like actually in that sort of sort of number six playmaker position and stop him playing and that tends to stop Southampton playing yeah and just to sort of contrast to our our, our uh problems or, or sort of situation uh, is it Bro- Broja for Broja Broja Hampton has been fantastic and uh, that's kind of a young player taking taking their opportunity um when they can um 
I mean, he's going to be an absolute nightmare. It feels like for the for the defenders to deal with uh, at the weekend. Um, but yeah, he uh, he seems to be doing well at the moment. It's it's funny how bad Southampton were in that second half. I mean, I suppose they did have a chance to equalise um, very late on in that game. And also, I think the thing that probably gets forgotten is that Alex McCarthy did kind of chuck both goals into, <laughs> into the net. It was pretty awful goalkeeping for both goals. So more of that. Alex would be lovely. Um, Elliot, well, Fraser Forster's to... back, isn't he? Oh, he is. No, good point. Yeah, yeah. He's and play, looking, apparently playing really well. Looking secure. Yeah, he is looking secure. He's always. He's just so big, isn't he? Got like massive hands and feet <laughs> on like really long limbs and a big head. Good old Fraser. What a guy. <laughs> Norwich legend. Anyway, um, what what did Norwich need to do, Elliot, at Southampton? Um, well, I think firstly they've got to be as resolute as they were in the first half against Liverpool. Um, I'm I'm really glad that that back. Well, I think the back four is getting more settled than ever. I think Brandon Williams has been so so good since in the last couple of months. He looks like he's really really playing for the shirt, which is so refreshing. And I, it, it, it doesn't look like he's uh, he's thinking about leaving at the end of the season or anything like that. He's th- he's thinking about the job in hand, which has been brilliant. Um, so we've got to be really, really solid at the back, as Dob, as Rob said. Um, Bray is a brilliant striker, so we've got to keep him quiet and not give away any free kicks in and around the box because Ward Prowse will probably bang in. Oh, I tell you what, they, I watched the match of the day, match of the day two goal of the month competition again. Josh Sargent was obviously in there for his um, remarkable antics <laughs> for his first goal at Watford, but that. James Ward Prowse free kick at, at Wolves is just something yeah. else. Um, and still didn't win, which is Jonathan Woodgate's fault, but that's one few matches <laughs> the day, two for years. Um, I won't actually be at Southampton. It's my birthday. So I'm, um, I'm away for a few days, which is also why next week's podcast will be back solely on the audio. So no live video of the podcast next week. We'll do it again in a fortnight's time, but Steve Sanders will be back in the, uh, uh, hosting chair um, with with some audio magic. So make sure you subscribe to the um, audio podcast feed so you don't miss next week's podcast. Um, but I think, other than keeping our fingers crossed for Friday, uh, that is it for the 97th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is off to reschedule its hotel for Leeds away with a really angry face. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And as I said, also make sure you subscribe to these uh, video feeds um, while we do them and as and when we do them live like this as well. Uh, ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals then you can sling me a direct message on twitter with the handle at michael j bailey uh, a big thank you to our wonderful guests this evening dan thank you so much cheers michael stellar work as always rob thank you so much for joining us i hope we get to do it again yes yeah uh, looking forward to it already cheers michael thanks Good for man. Us. um absolute pleasure elliot likewise although you do need to have a song next time I'll have a song. I'll have it ready to go. Don't worry. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Michael. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next week with a fresh bout of Canaries Capers in another On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger.
Claire, Dan, Rob, Elliot, all you Twitterkers out there, welcome to the latest edition of Whitsend. Uh, if any of you have stumbled across this for the first time somehow and are still wondering what's going on and why the podcast hasn't finished, listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which explains it all there. That went live on September the 8th, 2020, which you'd think would be our most listened to podcast if everyone was trying to work out what this was. But uh, but there we go. Uh, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly with an email to twitterkers at iCloud.com. That is Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com or use the hashtag twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to because this is a secret club. Uh, for only those who discover it. And I can just put that up on here. There you go. Take a bit of th thinking. Um, Dan, what should we talk about? <laughs> well, that's a bit of pressure. I was thinking when you mentioned um, Elliot being a song laureate earlier. Yes. Um, Elliot, have you had a stab at doing a chant for, for Michael here? And can that be a challenge for next time you're on? Well, I'll get a go in the Barclay before we bring on here. Oh, you can you can try. I don't <laughs> see anyone joining in with that, unless it's abusive and hilarious, which maybe that's the way to go. Maybe it's likely to, to be go. abusive, I'd imagine. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That's fair enough. Um, well, you know, you if more you were, so if you were a player and didn't like the chant that's directed at you, so if, I don't know, like Max Aaron's not liking David Bowie, uh, prefers Neil <laughs> Diamond or something like that, so hates the Starman chant. If you have to listen to that every game. Do you think you'd suck it up, or do, would you get annoyed? You'd have to suck it up if they're, if they're cheering, if they're singing your name. I think whatever. I mean, I don't know whether Max Aaron's likes David Bowie or not. I can imagine. What, what do you, what do we think? He'll I think he'll, he'll love his chant. He must love it. Yeah, definitely. I was I'm trying to think. Always... If... Go on, Michael. Well, I was going to say I'm trying to think if any player has ever brought up that they didn't like their chant. <laughs> I, I think the ego automatically it. kicks in. It's like they're singing about me. I don't even care what they're singing. <laughs> but, um, I, I can't. I don't know if you. I mean, Dan, you've worked in a football club, so you've probably had that conversation with more players. I mean, than me. the players tend to hate a lot of stuff that they probably probably would never admit publicly. But I've never heard that about their songs. What I used to enjoy was uh, Wes's teammates singing along to uh, Wes's song. So that was a big hit among the players and that's a point isn't it that they do they do pick it they do pick up especially when a team's going well and players are getting songs they the, the teammates will sing it at at the at the players themselves because that certainly <laughs> happened each of the title winning seasons there, there, there was a song about um hernandez and to do with argos wasn't there they must have they must have found that one quite amusing oh is it sad i can't remember that i can't remember how the song went no I think you might. I think you might have one swear word in it, but um, <laughs> it, it it was a good song and it was pretty funny. Um, just about what, <laughs> when he went to Argos to buy to buy something, like, you know, he was in the he was taking a picture outside Argos, wasn't he? They, the oh, players yes. must have found that one amusing. I mean, I imagine, I imagine he's still sponsored by Argos just at Birmingham now. While yeah. I'm there. well, but that when he went feels to, like such a long time ago, doesn't when it? he went to Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough used Argos as an in their announcement video, I think. Was it Middlesbrough? <laughs> yes. It was Middlesbrough. Yeah. They used Argos again, so the legend lives with him. The would you rather have, if you were a player, would you would you rather not have a song or a song you don't like chanted about you? It must be quite sad to not have a song. Song I don't like, 100%. Love that. At least you feel That's part what? of the, you feel a bit of love then at least, don't you? Yeah. That's all they want. That's all they want. 
just to feel a bit loved. Let's um, uh, we've got one thing we can discuss here from Jack Cronin. With the announcement of the return of Masters football, who knew? Don't know if that escaped us all. Um, who would be uh, your six starters in a Norwich team? I mean, he's, he's asking for three I, subs as well, but we don't have to do that I, necessarily. I'll just quickly say hi to Jack Cronin. That's that's, my, that's our mate, being Rob's mate. So oh, he's, hello, asking, Jack. he's asking a great question there. Yes, everyone waved to Jack. Okay, well, we need we need a team then. I, I, I mean, subs seems a bit of a stretch. Sorry, Jack. But we'll do that. We'll do the we'll do the six in the team. I mean, what is a master's formation? Is what keeper three three one two? <laughs> Am I thinking about this too much? <laughs> Quite defensive, really, isn't it? Yeah, maybe not that. Well, two two two. That'd be Ralph Ranick, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, ah, yeah. apparently I, I just had a quick Google and it's over 35 is the criteria for a Masters player okay um, well that's alright that's that's yeah. okay um, so Wes Obs. yeah did it would, would Cambridge let him uh, he's going to be <laughs> fit isn't he he's going to be fit he's already you know you're not going to well, he, you know, he barely plays away games for Cambridge does he so he, yeah. he can turn up when Cambridge are playing away he can turn up in the Masters game yeah yeah, that's a good shout. Okay, so we've got Wes. Who else? Hux and, Hux and Holty still play, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Huck will be in there. Okay, okay, I'm going to write these down. So we've got Wes, Hux, Holty. I mean, we're going to need someone to put in a tackle. We've got to have a really solid defender who does everything. Adam Drury. Adam Drury. Okay, yeah. nice. Uh, it, you, could, um, you can maybe... Six, um, including the keeper, obviously. You could stick Brian Gunn in goal just because of the size of the goals in Masters football probably <laughs> are conducive to Brian Gunn. Yeah, I was going to go Gunn or Green. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather... Have, oh, no, I'm not going to say... No, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that suggestion of Gunny. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, yours was a good shout too, isn't it? Uh, okay, so we've got one space... On well, in my little diagram, it's basically right back. But we haven't got. Well, you did have ways in midfield. I'm literally now drawing it out as if I was doing an athletic graphic. Um, yeah, right back, right. Or, or a right-sided defender. We've not got much height. Is that an issue in Masters football? Um, <laughs> there's, there's probably not that many long balls being played. I, I don't know. Maybe there is. I would, I'd imagine it gets a bit stretched towards the end if they're all over fifty. Hmm. <laughs> True. Maybe um, Ian Culverhouse probably keeps himself fit as a as a manager. Cully. <laughs> okay. Was that is that showing our age, Ian Culverhouse? Maybe. Well, I don't know. Uh, he, he, yeah, you want someone who's only just turned thirty? <laughs> Mark Ed Mark Edworthy is is he still playing? Don't know. Michael Turner, someone like yeah. that. Mike, Michael Dad, Turner. Darren Kenton. I don't know. Ooh, Darren yeah. Kenton. Darren Kenton, be a good shout. Uh, should, should we go with, we'll go with Darren Kenton in the, all right Darren Kenton there we go so we've got our uh, thanks for the question Jack we've got our um, super six of um, or whatever it is what is it Master, Master, our Norwich <laughs> Masters team of in goal Brian Gunn a right back Darren Kenton left back Adam Drury in the hole which is just the middle bit where's Houlihan and then up top Darren Huckabee and Grant Holt. It's a good team, isn't it? Good team. I think we nailed that. Um, who's, please, who's managing that then? Yeah, who is managing it? Good shout. Uh, Peter Grant? <laughs> sure. <Right. laughs> oh. Give it to Brian Gunn as well. He can, he yeah. can manage player it. Player manager. <laughs> yeah. Player manager. Love that. Gunny's, Gunny's player manager. Job done. 
Um, well, I think we've nailed that. Uh, if anyone's got a better suggestion for, and I want to hear all of your Norwich Masters six uh, six sides, six asides, um, let us know. It'd be great to hear them. Um, you know, you can send it in an email to twitterkers at iCloud.com or um, use the hashtag twitterkers. And um, it'd be great to see your Norwich Masters six because there's probably a whole plethora of players we've either insulted or um, <laughs> or uh, just left out. I'm completely forgotten about. Do you think um, any of them listen to this, Michael? No. <laughs> or they probably wouldn't want to admit that they do. So it's going to be one or the other. Um, right. Well, I think that only leave, leaves um, Kenny Other Business. Kenny Other Business, um, Dan? Kenny Other Business? No, I'm just, uh, just no. looking forward to Elliot's um, Michael Bailey chant next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> if you do an Andrew, an Andrew on my Bamadelli one, then you can get out of the Michael Bailey one. I think that's, uh, that's, that's allowed there. Um, that doesn't seem you've, fair to me. You've, you've made me say my own name in the third person, which I, I'm very comfortable <laughs> with most of the time. Um, well, in that case, I think we'll wrap up uh, with this uh, this week's Wits End. Um, I'll just say it again, Rob, Elliot, absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Um, I hope we do it again very soon. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, Michael. Top stuff. Dan, as always, absolute pleasure. Um, Cheers, Michael. If on three you could all say goodbye, that'd be great. One, two, three. Goodbye. There you go. Look at that. And they are gone. And that was a lovely podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Um, Remember to get in touch uh, if you so wish. Uh, You can send us a a tweet or uh, a tweet with the hashtag Twitterkers or send us an email directly. special email address twitters at icloud.com uh, but until next time that's a rope <laughs>